Welcome to Eternal Family Podcast Class. This is class number five, where we continue the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ that will improve and make families more successful. Today, we talk about prayer. Are you praying in the name of Jesus? What does that mean to pray in the name of Jesus? We also touch upon repentance. What is repentance? So many of us have grown up thinking that repentance is a list of steps you follow after you sin. But how does the Book of Mormon portray repentance? And what might be a better understanding of what I can do on a daily basis in order to repent daily? So one more time, I'm going to do this every time just so we kind of stay on the same page. Three families. Family number one we've been talking about is the family of God, the Father. And is it okay if I say God's? I hate not including Heavenly Mother when we talk about father, family, right? Um, this is the family of heavenly parents. And then we have earthly families. Not just the one of which I'm a child, but the one of which I'm the parent. And I very much want to make that an eternal family. And then we've got the family of Christ. The family of Christ is the covenant family. I become a child of Christ when I make covenants with him, when I'm born again through baptism. He becomes my father. So what I want to point out is, how do I improve this family? First, I look which direction? I look that direction. And there's a whole lot there that will improve here. You want to be a better husband, father, mother, everything. Get Heavenly Father in your life. Have a relationship with Heavenly Father. And it will improve this dramatically. Do you all believe that? If you want to be a better family here, get, be a part of this family. So now we've turned our head which direction? If I want to have a better earthly family... I need to be part of this family. And that's when we turn to the proclamation. Now I remind you, the beauty of the proclamation is, here's husband and wife. There's kind of mortal family. And what came before? Heavenly parents. And what comes after? Do you see the structure right in the proclamation? That this eternal family is patterned after this one and this one. So we've been focusing our attention on this sentence right here. The, let's do two sentences. Happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a fancy way of saying what? When you're a part of this family, that family will do better. The more we live the principles that Christ that makes Christ my father and makes me part of the family of the covenant, the better this family is. 
if I want to be a better husband, I get Jesus in my life and I'm naturally a better husband. So then after saying that, happiness in family life is most likely to be achieved when founded upon the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. What would you expect to find next? Well, which teachings? Could you kind of point out the most important ones that lead to successful families? And that's the next sentence. Successful marriages and families are established and maintained on nine principles of the gospel. And so we're going to focus intensely on these nine. Notice they come in pairs. They come in connections. I think the first two are connected. The next two are connected. The next three are connected. And the last two are connected. Faith and prayer. Repentance and forgiveness. Respect, love, and compassion is a triplet we'll talk about. Work and play. So today we're going to talk about prayer. Very little in your life will improve your family more than prayer. Allow me to invite you. How do I say this? Prayer is something that children can master. Prayer is something that even apostles haven't fully mastered. I love this scene in the New Testament. Now, I would imagine Peter, James, and John and the original apostles were magnificent spiritually, that they were phenomenal. And yet one time, watching Jesus pray, what did they say? Uh, whoops, it's 11. Watching Jesus pray, These are apostles, apostles watching Jesus pray. When he was done, what did they say? Lord, teach us to pray. Now, children know how to pray. And yet apostles need to learn how to pray. Do you see where I'm going? Today, I'm going to ask that you have a little bit of an apostolic attitude. When Jesus said, one of you will betray me, no one said, I know who it is, that shifty-eyed Judas over there. <laughs> no one said that. Everyone said, it's me, isn't it? So how about I say, let's talk about how to pray. And every one of us said, says, ooh, I need, I, I need to learn how to pray. I need to learn how to pray. So can we have a grown-up lesson on how to pray? Please. All of us know the basics of prayer. All of us know we address Heavenly Father, we thank Him, and then we ask. Those are the kids' things. I have a son who still has to be reminded, well, what are you thankful for? What do you want him to bless so the essence of a child's prayer is, Heavenly Father, thank you, and please bless. The grown-up portion of the prayer is the end. Do you pray in the name of Jesus? 
If you're going to do something in my name, then what? If you're going to do something, I'm here in the name of Bryce Dunford. You better what? You better do what I would do, right? If you're praying in the name of Jesus, then you better be praying for things that Jesus wants to give you. Would you agree? If you really want to pray with power and end it with, in the name of Jesus, then you need to pray for things he wants to give you. Let me illustrate, okay? Let me illustrate with the Jaredites. Would you turn to Ether chapter 6? Let's go to the Jaredites going to America. Tell me what's going to happen to the boat. Not what's doing it, but what's happening to the boat. Focus on the verbs that describe what's going to happen to the boat. The boat. So, Book of Mormon, Ether chapter 6 is the journey to America. All right, I'm going to, I want a blank copy because I don't want, I want you to read through this. All right, ready? And I think I have enough colors to do it. All right, ready? Look at five and six. Ether chapter six, five and six. Tell me what's going to happen to the boat. Not what's doing it, but what's going to happen to the boat. Okay, so number one in verse five, it's going to be tossed. Now, this little boat is you, your life. That's quite a, that's a huge metaphor in the scriptures. Crossing a body of water is like going through mortality. Going over the chaos. Mortality is often like a wild ocean. And going over mortality is often illustrated in the scriptures as a boat ride. And the boat is going to be tossed. And you are going to be tossed. Many of you have been tossed. What's the act of being tossed? What, what does it mean to be tossed? You thought your life was going this direction, right? Come on in. We got plenty of room. Look, we got seats there. We got seats here. Tim, what happens to, when you're tossed? This young lady was looking forward to a wonderful life. She turned 18. She graduated from high school. She's hiking up in the canyon. And the Lord tossed her. She fell 60 feet. Cancer can sometimes toss. Life is going to toss you. No matter what, every one of us are going to be tossed. Okay, give me another verb. I'm going to be buried. How often have you felt buried? How often have you felt overwhelmed? And I don't know how to survive this. And I feel like the whole ocean is on top of me. I am buried. And then this one is very interesting to me. 
broke upon. Something else is breaking on me. I didn't even do it. But I am being broke upon. Your parents get divorced and your life is uprooted and you didn't even do anything. But you are being broken upon. Now, do you see that's an accurate description of life, isn't it? Tossed, buried, broke upon. Now, let's step back one step and tell me what's doing it. What's tossing the boat? What's burying the boat? What's breaking upon the boat? If you go back here, there's two things that are tossing and breaking. First of all, it's the mountain waves and the great and terrible tempest. So there are mountain waves. Now, some of you have been hit by a mountain wave, haven't you? Some of your lives have been hit and you've been broke upon by a mountain wave. Sometimes you have lived through, it's great and fascinating word here, right? Terrible. Tempest. Have you ever felt like you were in the midst of a great and a terrible tempest? That it is beating upon you. Now, back one layer. What's causing the waves and the tempest? Why is there waves and tempest? Caused by a fierce wind. There is a wind that's blowing a storm into your life. Now, go back to chapter 2. Where is the wind coming from? Ether chapter 2, verse 25. Ether chapter 2, verse 25. Where is the wind coming? Let's read it. Who wants to read? Okay, sorry. One, we got to go back one verse. My mistake. 24. One more time. 24. For behold, he shall be as a whale in the midst of the sea, for the mountain waves shall dash upon you. Nevertheless, I will bring you up again out of the depths of the sea. Here we go. Ready? Four. For the winds have gone forth out of my mouth, and also the rains and the floods have I sent forth. Who's causing the wind? He's causing the wind. He's causing the wind that's causing the storm that's terrorizing your life. Now, the question is, what do you want me to do? But notice, notice the question. 
If I were the brother of Jared, I'd, <laughs> I see an easy solution here, right? I see a great solution. What's the solution? What's the solution, Lord? Stop blowing the wind. Could God remove every painful experience in my life? Yes. But that's not really the option on the table. If I pray for the wind to go away, do you see the irony? If my prayer is, Lord, stop the wind, what would he say? No. It is my will that the wind go. It is my will that you experience these things. And so what's, what does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? What does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? Let's read very carefully verse 25. I don't know if you've ever noticed it. But what is his question? What is God asking you when you come to him in prayer? What is the question? What does the boat need? Tell me what I can do for the boat. Now, what do we usually pray for? The storm. What is he asking? How can I help the boat? Do you see the difference? Now, let me give you a classic example. Jesus in Gethsemane. Jesus in Gethsemane. What was his prayer? What was the Savior's prayer? In other words, what was he asking for? Stop the storm. This prayer, if you are praying that the wind go away, what you are saying is, change my circumstances. But the problem of that is who's causing the circumstance? So I'm asking him to do something he doesn't want to do. If I'm saying change my circumstance, I'm asking him to do something he doesn't want to do. So what is this prayer? Tell me what I'm praying for when I pray for the boat. This is change me. Do you see the difference? When we pray, what do we usually pray for? Take my pain away. Stop beating upon my ship. Solve my problems. But do you see the irony in that? Who's creating those problems for you? He is. If you're asking for him to take the storm away, you're asking him to do something that he doesn't want to do. Does your heavenly father want you to have a pain-free life? You're all shaking your head because you know that's the right answer. But when you pray, what do you pray for? 
a pain-free life, right? Now, Jesus said, change my circumstances. Make the cup go away. Then what did he say? Okay, let's read that. Everyone turn to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to have to do two screws. We've got to do Matthew and Luke. Unfortunately, neither of them included the full story. So we're going to have to piece this together. So let's start in Matthew chapter 26. Let's do piece of the, let's do prayer number one in Gethsemane. Everyone turn to Matthew chapter 26. It'll be faster if I do this version, but I can't blow this version up. Okay, so I can't zoom in, so bear with me. Jesus came to Gethsemane, and he prays. Tell me, let's read prayer number one. Who wants to read prayer number one, verse 39? This is prayer number one to Jesus, to his Father. Someone read 29. 39, 39. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou So what was he asking for? And it's fine. I, 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 if Jesus can ask for the storm to go away, then I think it's okay for us. I need to understand that it's probably not praying in the name of Jesus for him to take my pain away. But if he can ask for it, I'm okay with asking. I, Heavenly Father, make everything better. Make my mom better. Okay? Take the storm away. I think that's a decent prayer. But I don't know if he wants to give that to me, do he? I don't know if he wants my mom to get better. I don't know if he wants all my pain to go away. Maybe it's the best thing for me to have that pain. So am I praying in the name of Jesus if I stop there and only pray for the storm to go away? I don't know. I don't know if that's what Jesus wants to give me. So watch what he does next. Now you need to turn to Luke 22. So turn to Luke chapter 22 and let's pick it up. Now Luke's going to tell us in verse 42, there's prayer number one. Luke 22, 42 is prayer number one. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Not my will, but thine. Now tell me what Matthew doesn't include. What happened next? So an angel came to... So why does he need strength? What was the answer? What was Heavenly Father saying by sending the angel? I'm not changing the storm. And this is Heavenly Father saying to me when I'm praying, make my problems go away. Make this pain go away. This is Heavenly Father coming back and saying, I don't want to make the pain go away because you need this. So now let's get to prayer. Now, unfortunately, Luke tells us about the angel, but Matthew gives us the second prayer. So we've got to go back to Matthew and get the second prayer. Now you tell me what's changed. You tell me. What's changed? And you've got to read something into what he's saying. Because what he's really asking for, he doesn't say. So after he says, make the cup go away, make my pain go away, take my pain away, solve all my problems. And the angel comes and says, not this time. What does he say? I need someone to read that second prayer. 
Verse 42. Yep, you got it. Now that's a statement, and I love that, but what is he asking for? What's implied? Tell me what he's asking for. He's not asking for it to go away anymore. What's he asking for? Strengthen, strengthen me to drink it. Strengthen me to drink it. Notice one prayer was change my circumstance. And what was the second prayer? Change me. Now, which one do you almost know without failing is praying in the name of Jesus? Change me. If you want to pray better, learn to pray for things that Jesus wants to give you. And maybe taking the pain away isn't. Now, sometimes does he take the pain away? Yes. But what does he like to do even more than that? Strengthen the person dealing with it. So let's practice. Ready? Um, Heavenly Father, send me friends. I'm lonely. I don't have any friends. Send me friends. Change my circumstance. Change my friends. Change, send me friends. That's a great prayer, don't you think? What's an even better prayer? Please help me to be a friend of others. You see, I guarantee he wants that. He wants to give me that. He wants to bless me with that, right? I guarantee he wants to help me be a better friend. And what's the most likely way I'm going to gain friends? By waiting for him to send them into my life? Or by, do you see it? Pray better. Pray, not for the changing of the circumstance, but for the changing of me. Okay, um... New mom, brand new, brand new baby. I have two daughters that are pregnant. They're about to experience a change in their life like they've never seen. That baby is going to cry throughout the night. Um, we had a daughter who had colic and she never slept. And my wife and I never slept. Now, my wife's first prayer is, Heavenly Father, bless my baby to sleep tonight. Now, that's a great prayer, but what is she really saying? Change my circumstances so that I can sleep. And that's a good prayer. I don't think she shouldn't say that. But if she really wants to pray in the name of Jesus, instead of asking for changed circumstances, what would be another point? What could she add? Bless my baby to sleep tonight. But if not... Good. Keep going. Bless me. Say, here's a mom. Here's a mom. Ready? Bless me with patience to love this child tomorrow when I don't sleep. Give me strength 
to care for this child if I don't sleep. Now, one of those prayers was change my circumstance. And one of those prayers was change. Do you see the difference? Do you see what brings power into a prayer? Let me show you Nephi doing that. Everyone turn to 1 Nephi chapter 7, verse 17. Watch what Nephi prays for. It is not what you and I would probably pray for in that same circumstance. Nephi's brothers have tied him up and they're going to leave him to die in the wilderness. Great brothers, right? Now, what would you pray for? Lord, get me out of this and strike my brothers down. Tell me what Nephi prays for. Who read it? Verse 17. First Nephi 7, 17. What does Nephi pray for? How is this prayer different? then get me out of this. See that? Get me out of this is change my circumstances. And what Nephi prayed for was, I need some strength. Bless me with strength so that I can break the bands. Do you think the bands just fell off? No, I think Nephi was given strength to break them himself. Do you see the difference between praying for the storm and praying for the boat? What kind of prayers are the ones that make families successful? It's when we say, Heavenly Father, bless my family so that all our problems go away. Versus, Heavenly Father, bless this family with the things we need to conquer our problems. Do you see the difference? Do you see why he's saying families need prayer? If we want power in our families, we need to pray. And we need to pray for the boat. Pray for the strength to deal with the beating waves, not that the waves go away. Pray in the name of Jesus. Okay, any thoughts? We have 20 minutes. Think we can do repentance in 20 minutes? Should we try? Abby. Um, I, I just love agency, I guess. And so um, that's another reason that I see for um, praying for like the strength to change yourself so you can change your circumstances is just a lot more enabling than asking for the circumstances to change. Yep. I love it, Abby. You reminded me of this, Ezra Taft Benson. Let's read it. 
The Lord works from the inside out. The world works from the outside in. The world would take people out of the slums. Christ takes the slums out of people, and then they take themselves out of the slums. The world would mold men by changing their environment. Christ changes men who then change their environment. The world would shape human behavior, but Christ can change human nature. Beautifully stated. Please. Any thought I want to go back to is the future. Um, I love how the Lord took the time to prepare him. Before we all came here, we knew the circumstances we were going to hit. We knew the struggles that we were going to go through. And the Lord sat down with us and with each one of us, I feel like, and talked with us about our whole lives. Said, this is what's going to come. But I also love how the reason why the Lord won't take away the wind is because the wind is the only thing that will get us to who we can be. Yeah. All these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. If God had taken Christ's pain away, how would our lives be different? Beautiful statement. You know, I wanted to, you, you reminded me of one thing. What did he say? What did he say? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You can't have windows and you can't have fire. He's with us the whole time, right? He didn't tell them what to do. He told them some specific things you can't do, but he honors our struggle. So how do I help the boat? The way Jesus makes our pain go away isn't he lifts the load, he strengthens the back. And a stronger back makes the load go away. So pray for the boat. Learn to pray for changed you. Learn to say, Heavenly Father, bless my child to obey me. Instead, you should say, Heavenly Father, bless me to understand my child. Change me so that I can help the child. Okay, so two quick things. One, when you're talking about, he's like, he says you can't use windows, you can't use fire, right? The interesting thing is, during that time, he was, the brother Jared was probably like, huh, those are my like main ideas, what can I think of? Yeah. So you might not, what you might underestimate is like, yes, he's stated these two specific things that work, won't work, but like, assuming he's on your side, which he is, like basically everything else is a possibility. And I think most people would think, I know, glowing rocks, right? But it's like when you have God on your side, it's like kind of like you just do whatever works. And he, he might say, we're not going to do it this way and we're not going to do it this way. But that still leaves basically everything else yeah. in the realm of possibility. So when the brother of Jared came back with glowing rocks, do you think the Lord maybe went, okay, that's a great idea. <laughs> Could the Lord have said, Okay, maybe not the great, but what did he, he went with it, right? If this is how you want to go, I'm on board. I'll touch them. They only glowed because he touched them. He helped them. So is he going to be there? You're not alone. But the prayer needs to be, 
change me. Beautiful examples. Okay, so the one other thing that I wanted to share when we were talking about um, like change circumstances versus changing me is like faith to be healed is like, yes, if it's like a physical healing, it could be changing you, but there's also the faith to not be healed and to be able to basically be strengthened to go through your circumstances even though God doesn't necessarily fix everything in our lives. We can just essentially become better and become strengthened to overcome our trials instead of just um, having them changed or having them magically fixed for us. Because I understand what they're doing to me. And that's really what I want. I want to change me. We recently did 1 Corinthians 12 um, in Come Follow Me. And I don't know if you read this, but lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Something painful. Something that hurt the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. How many times did Paul plead with all of his soul that the thorn be taken away? Not three prayers, three intense periods of his life. And then what did the Lord say? My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. This is good for you. This is how I'm going to help you. And then I think this is at the end of the quote with the Lord and the beginning of the quote with Paul. I don't think this is Paul. I think that's the Lord and this is Paul. So Paul, after hearing that, says what? Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I also think it makes a point for a prayer to ask God to move on this. Because I feel like if, if Jesus or God puts us in a situation, we're only going to have a testimony of his time and how to get us out. But rather, if he wants to see what we'll do in this situation, then we can have a testimony of his strength and then be a help. I think that was so profound. I wish the whole church could hear that. In other words, maybe one of the best prayers for changing me is help me learn a life-changing lesson. That will change me. Beautiful. Great comments. Should we do repentance? Okay, we'll just do, we'll do briefly repentance because I really want to spend all of next week on forgiveness. I think forgiveness is one of the great keys of making family work, but so also is repentance. So here's my observation. Twice in the Book of Mormon, it says faith is. Twice. The Book of Mormon never says repentance is. The Book of Mormon does not say repentance is. The problem with repentance is we like lists and we like crisp little statements. But repentance is not that. Repentance isn't a single act. How many different ways do people repent in the Book of Mormon? 
Do they all do the same thing? I don't know how you've been taught to repent, but some of you have been given a list of things to do. Could I point to someone in the Book of Mormon who didn't do those things and was forgiven? So what is repentance? What is repentance? Can I point out a, a, a letter from a general authority? Years ago, a member of the, uh, one of the general authorities who, gather, who, gather, who worked with the First Presidency, when people get excommunicated, the First Presidency has to give permission for them to be rebaptized. So this is the general authority that got the letters from everyone and prepared the report for the First Presidency. So he's reading all the letters about people wanting to come back into the church after being excommunicated. And he said this, he said this powerful thing that just changed me. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, come on, where is it? As a general authority, I have prepared information for the First Presidency to use in considering applications to readmit repentance transgressors into the church and to restore priesthood and temple blessings. Many times a bishop will write, I feel he has suffered enough. But suffering is not repentance. Suffering comes from a lack of complete repentance. A stake president will write, I feel he has been punished enough. But punishment isn't repentance. Punishment follows disobedience and precedes repentance. A husband will write, my wife has confessed everything. But confession is not repentance. Confession is an admission of guilt that occurs as repentance begins. A wife will write, my husband is filled with remorse, but remorse is not repentance. Remorse and sorrow continue because a person has not yet fully repented. Now listen to the statement. Suffering, punishment, confession, remorse, and sorrow may sometimes accompany repentance, but they are not repentance. Going to talk to your bishop, not repentance. So what is repentance? I've watched something that my kids do when they're little and they do something wrong and they're going to timeout. I had a son who figured out how to get out of timeout. What gets you out of timeout? I'm sorry. So on the way to timeout, he would say, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. And I thought, he's not repentant. He's just figured out what gets him out of repentance or gets him out of punishment. So what is repentance? Can I plant a very simple idea in your head? Let's turn to the New Testament because no one taught repentance more than John the Baptist. John the Baptist is called the prophet of repentance. He taught the gospel of repentance. Turn with me to Luke chapter 3. Okay, turn with me to Luke chapter 3. And if you're print, get ready to flip to your appendix. If you're electronic, it'll be a little bit easier. 
All right, verse 3, it came to pass, he came into all the country of Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. As it was written in the book of Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now, I think most people think verse 4 is about John the Baptist. John was in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord. No, repentance is saying, prepare the way of the Lord. Because what's the problem? Every valley shall be filled and every mountain shall be brought low. The problem is when I sin, what do I do to Jesus? If this is the Savior and this is me, when I sin, what do I do? I make a valley between us. You've all felt it. You've all felt the distance to Jesus, haven't you? You've pushed him away. Something you said today pushed him away. And you felt him. Repentance is what? Get him back. Build a bridge and get him back. If you have made a valley, fill it. Or the other analogy is, I've put a mountain between us. Something you did today pushed Jesus away. And there's a mountain between you. And you can feel it. I can always feel it when I've pushed Jesus away. What is repentance? Tear the mountain down. Just get Jesus back in your life. The one thing everyone in the Book of Mormon who repents has in common. What do they all have in common? They don't all go to their bishops. They don't all go and tell the store manager that they stole the candy bar. But everyone that repents in the Book of Mormon does what? Pleads for Jesus to come back into their life. Can we read a few examples? Let me, you, you tell me what these people are really praying for. I'm sorry, let me out of it. Or I want the relationship back. Repentance isn't remorse. Repentance is fixing a broken relationship. Yeah, the things I need to repent for are the mountains I've put between me and Jesus. Not necessarily the things other people have done. But we'll, we'll save that for another day because we're going to get there. I promise we'll get there. But let's, let me show you a couple of examples of repentance in the Book of Mormon. Ready? How about we do Alma chapter 22? Um, Lamoni's dad. Let's do Alma chapter 22. Here is a fantastic example of repentance. All right, ready? Aaron asks, What shall I do that I may have this eternal life which thou hast spoken? What shall I do that I may be born of God, having this wicked spirit rooted out of my breast and receive his spirit? Well, what's the answer? Repent. Repent. If thou wilt repent. So watch him repent. 
And when Aaron had said this, the king bowed down before the Lord upon his knees. And he even did prostrate himself upon the earth. And he cried mightily, saying, O God, Aaron hath told me that there is a God. And if there is a God, and if thou art God, wilt thou make thyself known unto me? And I will give away all my sins to know thee, that I may be raised from this dead, raised from the dead and be saved at the last day. What's he praying for? He's praying for a relationship. He's praying for a savior to come into his life. That's repentance. Just a couple more. Alma 36. Remember Alma in his moment of agony? What does he pray for? You've all heard his prayer, right? Alma 36. Now, Alma had, did Alma have some serious things to repent of? You better believe he did. What did he do? Oh, Jesus, thou son of God, have mercy on me. Repentance is getting Jesus back in your life. Getting the Savior back in your life. Fixing the relationship. Now, can you do that on a daily basis? Can you get him back into your heart? That's repentance. Now, the beauty of family repentance. If this is me and this is my wife and there's a mountain here. I need to fix this mountain. But you know what makes fixing this mountain very easy? If there's a mountain here, where else is there a mountain? There's a mountain here. And if I want to fix this, which mountain do I tear down first? I tear down this mountain. I fix this. I get him in my life. And what will happen here when I tear down that mountain? It will be a whole lot easier to tear down this mountain. If all I do is focus on this one and don't focus on this one, I'm never going to achieve it very well. But do you see why how the principles of the gospel make family life better? If I have offended someone in my family, the first mountain to tear down is the one between me and the Savior. And then it will be a whole lot easier to tear down the mountain between me and someone else. Repentance is vital in family. Repenting when you make mistakes is vital in family. Be the one that tears the mountain down. Be the one that fixes your relationship with the Savior, and then you'll have strength to fix the relationship with your family member. Of that I testify. Prayer and repentance make families work. Faith, prayer, 
repentance. Pray for the boat. When your pain comes, when the boat is tossed, when horrible things happen to you, pray for the, pray for the storm. I think the, uh, Jesus did. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But then give him something you know he wants to bless you with. Ask him to change you. If the storm won't go away, pray for the strength to endure it. And when you break that relationship, get Jesus back in your life. Repentance is the act of getting Jesus back in your life. Of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Eternal Family Podcast class. This has been class number five, where we addressed prayer and repentance. As you ponder this week, would you take a look at your own prayers? Have you been praying for the storm, for the Lord to change your circumstances? And what might the prayer be like if you changed it or added a prayer for the boat, asking the Lord to change you? How might that affect your prayers? As you ponder also this week, repentance, daily repentance, the joy of daily repentance as President Nelson has addressed it. How might you better get Jesus into your life and restore the relationship that you have with him? Thank you.